Trading in futures products entails significant risk of loss, which must be understood prior to trading and may not be appropriate for all investors. Please contact your account representative for more information on these risks. Past performance is not indicative of future results. If you like grain markets and other stuff, you've come to the right place. Welcome to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Here's your host, Joe Baklovic. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Grain Markets and Other Stuff Podcast. Thanks for joining me. Great response so far. Thank you for listening and subscribing. I have had, I think, more than 7,000 streams during the first three weeks. So I'm thrilled with the response. Uh, Hope I can keep this thing going. Hope I can keep you updated with good content. If you haven't subscribed so far, uh, use any of the podcast apps out there. Uh, The Apple Podcast app. Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, really any of them. The uh, uh, podcast is available anywhere, and uh, if you subscribe, you'll be alerted when new episodes are, are updated. And I have been including my morning audio commentary as part of the podcast, and in addition to that, we'll usually do a once or twice uh, longer weekly segment uh, like this one. So thank you again. Uh, great response so far. Uh, really happy that this thing is working out. This is always kind of a, you do something new like this, it's 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 a trial and error type thing. You don't know if it's going to stick, but I like to try new things. I like to see if there's interest. And there certainly appears to be some interest here in uh, the podcast and in the subject matter. So today's episode, if you did not see the title, three ways to improve your grain marketing. And i um, I'm not saying that uh, you'll leave this podcast and automatically be 100 times better at grain marketing, but I'm going to try to throw some tips your way that uh, may help to steer you in the right direction. Some tips that I've used over the years uh, to, to help improve my grain marketing in working with customers. Um, there's a lot of different ways to market grain. There's a lot of different ways to uh, approach the situation. And think to yourself, how do you market grain or when do you market grain? Are you using a chart? Are you using some sort of fundamental analysis? Are you kind of just going off the cuff and selling when you think you need to make a sale? Is cash flow controlling your grain marketing? Um, That's probably something you should stay away from. Are you basing your marketing on somebody else's opinions of the markets? Are you basing it on a weather pattern? Are you basing it on uh, some off-the-wall smoke signals, telepathy? I don't know what you're basing your game marketing. I don't know how you're making your marketing decisions. But um, I've I've heard all of them, and I can tell you that some of them are are consistently good. Some of them are consistently bad. Um, This, of course, is an interesting conversation because it, it, I mean, this is how you make money. Farmers, and, and I've talked about it before, farmers spend so much time and so much energy and so much money into growing the crop, increasing yields, expanding acreage, better machinery, better equipment, storage, uh, all those sorts of things. Yet it seems like in so many instances, marketing either falls by the wayside or is just not a- approached with the, uh, with the sort of precision that a farmer approaches his his crop production uh, with, and that's something that we need to improve on. I mean, if if you're going to put that much effort into growing a crop, you should put. And I know it's going to be very difficult. You probably won't put an equal amount of effort into marketing it, but maybe you should put more effort into marketing it. And that's why it's that's why this is interesting to me. It's always been so interesting to me that at the beginning of the year, you know, this time of year, 
guys are buying inputs, you're spending so much money, yet people are reluctant to make those forward sales. And there's not, I'll tell you this, there are not very many businesses out there that function this way. Uh, you think there are many uh, companies in, in the in the S&P that produce a product but have no idea what they're going to sell it for? Uh, most, most big businesses don't work that way. Farming is unique. It's unique in a lot of ways. Um, but I think that in some regards for, for many of you, uh, approaching this like you're running a big business, which you are, that's what you're doing. You're running a big business. You've got to uh, maybe approach it that way. And there are some people out there who are fantastic at this. And, and there are some, I know some fantastic grain marketers, so I'm, I'm not saying that everybody needs improvement, but there's probably a good chunk of you that could use some improvement for sure. And, and I know I can improve, um, my skills in, in terms of marketing. This is, this is one of those things that you can never master. You'll never master grain marketing. Um, a lot of my favorite hobbies outside of work are kind of like this. Um, I like to cook barbecue. I've got a smoker in my backyard. I've been doing it for years. And I know that I'll never master it. I can continually get better at it. I can continually learn learn new things. But I'll never master it. There's no such thing. I'm a guitar player. I play guitar. I've been playing guitar for 25 years. And I'll never master it. I can continue to get better. I can c- continue to learn new tips and tricks. But it's not something that can be mastered. Uh, grain marketing and trading are the same way. Uh, you can get better. You can always improve. And that's kind of what's interesting about it to me. That's kind of why I like my job is that I'm never going to, I know that I'll never master this thing. I know that there's always going to be room for improvement. And uh, you've got to get on that, get on that program, get a, start to just realize for yourself that one, I'm not going to master this ever, but two, there's always room for improvement always. And you should always be seeking to get to that next level. I've seen a lot of marketing programs. I've seen uh, stuff that's become really popular lately. I've seen stuff that has become has been popular for years and years and years. The one thing that's become really popular lately is is you know margin based marketing. And there's a lot of uh, uh, platforms and companies out there who are selling software, spreadsheets, uh, things that will help you to calculate your cost. And, and that's a wonderful thing. That's something you've got to be doing. If, if you don't know exactly what your costs are and you don't have a real good feel for it and, and how they fluctuate and how your margins fluctuate with yield and with price, uh, you've got to get on that page first. That's, that's the starting point. And it could be something as simple as, as you know, an Excel spreadsheet with a few columns all the way up to, to something that covers every cent that's spent across your entire operation. But that's that's the first step. And I've got no problem with, with that stuff. But I, I don't think it can be that alone. Because, you know, right now, these last four or five years, we've been in an environment where, okay, once we hit profitable levels, you got to sell it because they may not stay there. But we're going to cycle out of this thing eventually. And it may it may be this year, it may be 10 years from now. But there, there will be a point probably in your farming career where we cycle out of this uh, environment where we kind of walk the tightrope between profitability and no profitability. That's where we've been here for several years now. Um, and, and I think eventually we'll get out of that. And, and it, it's at that point that mar- marketing is going to get a little bit more complicated than just simply using margins. But, th- but that's great stuff. And you have to know your costs. If you're not doing that, that's step one. Um, I've seen other programs that involve technicals. You know, when the market gets overbought, let's sell some. Uh, I don't have any problem with that. If you're selling a market that's overbought, you may not be selling the high, but you'll never sell the low. 
And that's if, if you can just eliminate that from your marketing, just don't sell the low, um, that that will really help you out. That if you can just eliminate that part of it, I'm never gonna sell the low. And if it, it by by selling the market only when it's overbought, given some sort of technical indicator on the charts, uh, that's not a terrible deal necessarily. Um, <clears throat> other programs that I've seen, you know, involve stuff that's really heavy on options. That's great if you understand it. Um, a lot of people don't uh, refer back to my my options don't work episode if you're looking for some more information on how I use options. But there's a lot of stuff out there. there there's there's a lot of stuff out there. I'm I'm I think some of it's really good. I think that having just any sort of program in general is is really good. There's just I I see so many people and so many examples of people who just don't have any program at all. And uh, that's that's probably the worst program is is no program. You've got other things out there like um, you know average pricing contracts and, and exotic contracts and and things along those lines. Maybe a program where uh, one of the commercials handles a portion of your production for you. I've seen those work well. I've seen them work terribly. Uh, that's probably another whole episode for me on um, letting the commercial or your grain buyer handling handle some of your uh, marketing for you. I have mixed feelings on it. It's it's not all bad, but that's probably a good topic for a future episode perhaps. So onto the topic of the actual podcast here. What are three ways that you can, three things you can do to improve your grain marketing? And here's the first one. This is the first one that I use whenever I'm I'm, uh, contemplating a marketing decision. I ask myself the question. This is number one. Ask yourself the question. Is this a marketing opportunity? I look at the soybean market here today. We've closed lower in nine consecutive sessions. The board has fallen sharply. I think we've lost eight or 9% just in the last uh, three or four weeks. So when I ask myself the question, is this a marketing opportunity? I think my answer is no. Now we had the wheat market, which up until recently had rallied and we had rallied into some multi-month highs. When I look at a market like that and I ask myself, is this a marketing opportunity? I think my answer is more, much more likely to be yes. Um, and then I think there's a third, there's a third category, which is a maybe. Like, let's say December corn rallies back to four dollars. Um, am I convinced that that's a marketing opportunity? Maybe, maybe it is. A four dollar uh, December corn sale has been. Uh, pretty good the last few years when you take into account the carry that's been available, especially if you're somebody that has on-farm storage. So I think there's three categories when I ask myself that question. There's no, there's a hard no, in which case avoid sales. Maybe that might mean make light sales. And if you get to yes, where yes, this is a marketing opportunity, that's where you've got to start really being a little bit more aggressive with your marketing, I think. And that's just just a, a very simple question you can answer, you, you can ask yourself. And I, I think that what you can do is is at least weed out the no's. If you ask yourself that question and look at what's happened in the market recently, and you can just say, no, this is not a marketing opportunity. Um, I think that can be helpful. It, it sounds so stupid. It sounds so dumb and and uh, and 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 just uh, uncomplicated. But something as simple as that, just if, if you wrote that on your wall and, and made a sign and put it on your wall above your desk and said, and said is, this, is this a marketing opportunity, and you looked at it every day, I bet that would help your marketing. I do. Second one. Number two, maybe, maybe, similar, maybe similar in context but more specific, is a chart. 
pull up a chart. If you're considering marketing new crop corn, pull up a December corn chart. And if it's a chart that's moved from the upper left to the lower right, is that a great marketing opportunity when we've just trended lower? No, probably not. It's probably not. Now, if you look at another market where, say, we've trended higher for two or three months and we've we've moved essentially from the lower left to the upper right on the chart, that might be a better opportunity. So look at look at where we've been. That's what a chart does. It tell you it tells you where we've been. And if we are at better prices than we've been at for two months, three months, maybe even two or three weeks, depending on the type of market you're, we're involved in, depending on the volatility, um, that's something that can be really helpful. You don't have to be a rocket scientist when it comes to charting. You don't have to you don't have to be a master of moving averages and Bollinger bands and stochastics and volume and open interest. You don't have to be a master of that to be good at grain marketing. What you've got to be able to do is look at a chart and say, you know something, these are some of the better prices that we've seen here as of late. Maybe maybe this is a marketing opportunity. I think that that is a great second place to start. And charts are easily accessible. They're free. This is not something you have to pay for. I don't believe you need to have real-time data from the CME group to be a good grain marketer. I think you've just got to maybe pull up, pull up a corn chart once every couple of days, pull up a soybean chart once every couple of days. Have we, have we improved? Have we improved versus the prices that we've seen the last two or three months? Um, I think that that is a very good thing to do. And just, just pull up a real simple daily or weekly chart on any of these commodities. And I really think that if you get, if you just kind of stay in tune with that, um, I think that can be very helpful to you. Here's my third. Here's my third and final. My third and final one is is maybe slightly more complicated. Um, definitely not overly complicated. Uh, fund positioning. We always hear about the funds. What are the funds doing in the market? What are the funds doing? Are they short? Are they long? Are the funds selling? Are they liquidating? Are they building a short position? You want to know an interesting t- statistic? Every year, I'm looking at a... Um, this is a chart from the CFTC. This is the, the, the fund tracker, essentially the CFTC commitment of traders report. We've been in this kind of bear market down market, you know, trend. You could argue since the middle of 2014, you know, we had, um, the drought in 2012, we had some really good prices. We had kind of the ethanol boom before that, uh, 2013 was still not a bad year. And then 2014, mid 2014 is kind of when we digested, into this range here. And you know, I want to know an interesting statistic. Every single calendar year, 2015 through 2019, the funds have been long at least 106,000 contracts at some point in time during every single one of those calendar years. And guess what? The big fund length, when they max out that long position or when they get above 100,000, that typically correlates with a really good marketing opportunity. So let's go back through the chart here. In 2015, in July, funds were along 230,000 contracts. 2016, in June, funds were along 168,000. 2017, in July, funds were along 107,000. And that was the, the lowest high in terms of the fund along through any of these calendar years. And in 2017, that was the year where Deese Corn only got as high as $4.17. Every other year we've traded above four and a quarter, I believe, in this time frame I'm talking about. Uh, 2018, 
Funds were long 181,000 contracts in May. In 2019, funds were long 179,000 contracts in June. 2020 so far, funds have not taken a long position. It's very early. Will the pattern repeat itself? I don't know. I would, If I was a betting man, I'd venture to say yes. I think that at some point in time, there will be a reason for the funds to take a long position in the corn market. So I think that's a great thing to keep an eye on. Um, and you've got to use it kind of like as an inverse indicator almost, like a negative correlation, like when the funds are long, heavy long, starting to build a heavy long, that's when you should be making some sales maybe. And that's another way, again, that you can avoid selling the low in the market. The low in the market's not going to occur when the funds are long, 50,000, 100,000 contracts. And there are in, in those numbers I read off, those are I'm just looking at the chart. That's what CFTC printed, but there were time frames in there where, you know, from day to day there were the, the long positions were actually bigger than that. So if you can just avoid selling when the funds are short and wait till they pick up a long position, you'd probably be a lot better suited. So those are three simple things. Number one, ask yourself the question is this a marketing opportunity? Number two, look at a chart. What's it look like? Are we better than we've been for the last couple weeks, months? If we are, maybe that's a marketing opportunity. Number three, keep an eye on that fund positioning. Uh, for my customers, I at least once a week update uh, the fund positions, at least once a week, and sometimes multiple times a week, depending on uh, the volatility. And if we get a big move one day, you know, I might throw out there, it was estimated that the funds did this on, on this day. I think it's a really good thing to track. I think it's a really good thing to track if you're a grain marketer. I really do. Was any of that stuff I just told you super scientific? No. Grain marketing isn't scientific. Trading and, and marketing are, are more of an art than a science, in, in my opinion. Um, does this stuff work? In my experience, yes. Does it mean that you're going to sell the top tick in the market every year? No. Does it mean that you may avoid selling the lows in the market? And when I say the lows in the market, I don't mean selling the low tick. I mean selling corn in the lower 10 or 20 cents of prices, maybe selling beans in the lower 50 cents of prices. It, you want to avoid that. If you can avoid, avoid selling in the lower end of that range, I think that those, those tools and those three items that I just gave you, I think they can help. There's no magic recipe here. There's no, there's no magic formula. I'll say it again. Nobody can predict the markets. They just can't. I can't predict the markets. The best traders in the world don't predict markets. Maybe a couple of them try to, but it's all about risk management. And you as a farmer, where's your risk? Your risk is that the market goes down. You've got a massive long position. And some of you guys don't even realize how massively long your position in these markets is on any given day at any given second. The risk is the risk is phenomenal. So I hope that helps you out. I do. I hope it helps you out. I did have two questions come in since the last podcast, and I will address them here today. Uh, the first one revolves around carry in the markets, and this is a good question. The uh, CME group, if you didn't know, increased the storage rates uh, beginning with December uh, 19 corn and November 19 soybeans. And what that means essentially is that the spreads can get a little bit wider than they could previously. Um, and we haven't really seen uh, that go into full effect yet. We haven't really seen the spreads totally flex their muscles in terms of bear spreading to, to new record wide levels. Uh, we got pretty close though. So the December 19 versus July uh, 20 corn spread got out to 33 cents and 33 cents in that spread 
is very wide. That's that's one of the widest levels we've seen. Basically, you got to go back to 2008, 2009 when we were kind of in uh, uh, financial crisis mode uh, to get to a level past that. But but in those years, 2008, that uh, December July spread traded out past 40 cents. So we haven't hit e- even last year. We and and that happened that 33 cent print in that particular spread that happened before the summer weather event, and we. Uh, didn't go back to those sort of levels. Uh, in the soybeans, November 19 versus July 20 got out to about 50 cents, which is pretty close to record wide. We've hit 50 on a handful of occasions before. But again, those spreads have yet to to really flex their muscles here and, and have, they have yet to build in the carry that's possible. Now, do we see this with, say, December 20 versus July 21 corn or November 20 versus November 21 soybeans. Uh, I don't know that. For the moment, there's carry there, but not a whole bunch of it. Uh, Dece 20 out to July 21 is about 17 cents a carry. Uh, November 20 versus July 21 in beans is about 13 cents a carry. So could we go out and trade, you know, like a 50 cent carry in the corn market from Dece to July? It's possible now. I think from a marketing standpoint, I'm going to kind of still loosely work with the old numbers until the market tells me to do otherwise. I mean, if, if they give me 30 cents to, to roll December corn in July, I'm probably going to do it on the majority. And maybe I'll wait on a little bit uh, to see if if I can get more. But I'm, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth here because the rules have changed. If it's profitable for you to, to take advantage of of that situation and pick up that carry and it works for you on paper, then by all means go and do it. I, I know that these, you know, the, these bear spreads, they have limitations on how far they can go. Um, that's the way this thing works. Are we going to go and hit those limits or, or test full carry with this new situation? I'm not sure yet. So it, it kind of remains to be seen. And, and moving forward, like I said, right now, the carry that you want is not there from Dece 20 or, or Nov 20 beans out to, to summer 21. Um, and, it, and it will be there if we have normal crops this summer, if we stay in a comfortable uh, supply and demand situation. Another part of the question was, should I be contracting uh, Dece corn with a HTA at, at three ninety five or four dollars, and and I'm not going to give you marketing advice. I mean, if it if it looks good on paper and you can make money doing it, I'm not against it. Uh, is that the best marketing opportunity in the world? I I don't know. The other question was about the stock market. Uh, I talk about the stock market on Twitter a little bit and how I've been bullish for forever, basically. And the question is, are you still bullish now that? the market has, has surged to all time highs. And I know we've corrected a little bit recently with this coronavirus and, and, and we've backed off a little bit, but we're still within an earshot of all time highs. Uh, the answer is that it's situational. So it's everybody's situation is different. And, and you've got to think about what assets you can own that will appreciate and what sort of time frame you're given. I'm 36 years old. I feel like if I own the stock market, for another 30 years, I'm probably going to be in okay shape. That's, that's the way it's worked historically. And, and again, I, I talked about this in, in the compound interest episode. Could this be the high of the stock market and we go into a 10-year recession, a 20-year recession? Sure, that's, that's possible. I mean, crazier things have happened. Uh, you can't predict any of these markets. But in terms of places to put your money, um, I think that's been a pretty good place. And I, I believe, my opinion is that it will continue to be a good place. Now, are there going to be fluctuations and big-time corrections? Oh, yeah. There will be volatility. I can, I'm can. i pretty sure of that. We may be due for a monster correction right here. A lot of people think that, as a matter of fact. If you listen to people who uh, who follow the fundamentals of the stock market, they look at P.E. ratios, they look at, at the fundamental indicators, they'll tell you that this thing is way overdone and we're way overpriced. 
same people have been saying that for three years now or longer in some cases. Um, you've got some big money that's kind of hoarding cash. Warren Buffett's hoarding cash right now. Uh, is he preparing for some sort of big correction? Uh, I don't know, but he's been hoarding cash and he's been kind of uh, underweight on stocks for for a while now. So he's kind of missed the boat on a lot of this deal. So again, nobody, not even the best in the world can can predict this stuff, but I'm going to go with the idea that the trend kind of repeats itself. So no, I'm not necessarily super bullish for the next week or the next month or even the next year. I just think that long-term as an asset, when you consider the the compound interest aspect of it, uh, it's, it's stock market's been a good vehicle. And I, I, I believe that over the course of my working life, when I'm still able to contribute um, to retirement accounts and, and things along those lines, I think it will continue to be a good vehicle. Thank you for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. If you have not subscribed, uh, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe or Google Podcasts, whichever app you're using. There's a whole bunch of them, but it's grain markets and other stuff is available on just about all of them. If you need help with your grain marketing, go to standardgrain.com, click on grain marketing plan, get on that subscription service, 49 bucks a month, cancel at any time. Uh, you'll know when I'm marketing grain. You'll know when I'm making decisions, when we're rolling uh, uh, spreads, when we're capturing carry, all that stuff. If you need help with it, that 49 bucks a month can really take you a long way. Everyone have a great week. Catch you next time.